Welcome to the Sports Code Podcast. My name is Ryan Walker and with me as always is the three point specialist, <laughs> Ruben Williams. How are you, mate? G'day, Ryan. I'm doing terrific. Thank you very much. Uh, we like to base our podcast on things that are true, factually correct <laughs> and, you know, proper information, but nothing has been further from the truth that I'm a three point specialist. I'm horrific at basketball, but yeah. thank you anyway. <laughs> I, um, I won't, I'm not going to lie. When I've seen you play basketball, when we had our, we we shot a few hoops once in lawn, mm. and I there was a few bricks being thrown. <laughs> I must say, I think I came second in that comp. Yeah, maybe we should have reversed it, and you should have said I'm the three point. Specialist. I think I think so. <laughs> anyway, uh, big episode today. Mm. By the way, mm. I'm pretty excited for it. Me too. Uh, it's, it's all yeah. It. it it's going to be a ripper, and and someone who we've really admired getting to know in uh, in the last couple of months. So mm. let's get into it. Let's do it. If you want to learn more about who we are, feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn, or if you want to ask us any questions, jump into the Sports Web community, which is just popping off at uh, the moment. Absolutely, yeah. and a shout out to all our community members. We appreciate every single one of you who is a part of that space and part of that community. Uh, and in particular, our guest Amanda Jenkins is a huge part of our community. And uh, the Winds channel was going off the other week when uh, everybody found out that Amanda had become the first ever female executive yeah. director at FIBA. Um, and so to have her a part of our little contingent is absolutely massive and incredibly uh, valuable for all the people in there mm. who get the chance to learn from Amanda. Absolutely. She's an absolute superstar, which is uh, which is why we've got her on the pot. That's right. Absolutely. So if you want to get your foot in the sports industry or hire people quickly or even just learn from the best in the world, such as Amanda, there really is something for everybody inside. So get involved with that. Fantastic. Rose, we're going to start today's episode with a quick tip uh, to get a job in sport for those listening. If you're currently studying or you've just finished studying, Having a postgrad qualification in sports management on your resume can give you a huge leg up over the other potential candidates applying for the same role. If you want to pump up your resume and get specialized knowledge in sports behavior, law, marketing, ethics, finance, governance, and strategy, take a look at Deakin's postgrad qualifications. Their Master of Business in Sports Management is not one of but the best one in Australia, ranked at number one. So there's no reason not to check that out so add a postcode to your resume and that's our tip for the episode and our good friends at deacon are also the uh university behind amanda's education amanda yes. is a graduate of of deacon uh we mentioned she's a newly appointed executive director of FIBA oceania aka she's the ceo she's the head honcho she's looking after basketball in australia and the pacific region and she's the first ever female to do so on the executive team at FIBA, which is incredible. But Amanda has spent over eight years at FIBA and has just been climbing the ranks from coordinator positions to manager mm. positions to senior manager positions, all related to the realm of competitions and events. Uh, along the way, she's also had these really cool opportunities to step into little things like, not little things, massive things, like the 2018 Gold Coast Commonwealth Games and get the chance to work as a basketball operations manager for three months there. And on top of that, she's also been given the opportunity to do an MBA at our good friends at Deakin University, having also finished her undergraduate there in 2013 doing sport management and exercise science, which uh, is a great degree. I did it myself and had a lot of fun. So Only the best come out with that degree, <laughs> I've heard. So they say. So... Uh, that is Amanda. One of the things that I absolutely loved about this episode was just how she progressed from getting a foot in the door in this uh, opportunity to becoming CEO. Mm. Like one place, one climb of a ladder, and she's gone from the very bottom to the very top, and she details at length exactly how she did it. Yeah, I love that. I also loved how she spoke about the, the rotational program she did uh, with Fever in Switzerland for a month. And we know, you know, how great HQ is in Switzerland. We've got Garth Town over there, Andrew Ryan. Only the very best go to HQ. So it was awesome to hear how that was just 
something she's got to do, mm. which is unreal. She really pushed for development opportunities and they really yeah. supported her. And this is probably one of the best development opportunities you can get doing a rotation through Sorry. Switzerland. Yeah. Um, and then finally, it was just heartwarming to hear what it means to Amanda to be the first ever female on mm. the FIBA executive team. So a lot to look forward to in this chat with Amanda. Absolutely. We'll grab a pen and enjoy this chat with Amanda Jenkins. Amanda, welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast. Thanks, Ryan. I'm happy to be here. See you and you and Ruben. Amanda, it's awesome to have a uh, someone such as yourself, and congratulations on the recent appointment as executive director and first ever female executive director too, which is uh, absolutely outstanding. But also great just to have another Deacon person on the podcast as well. I know our good friends at Deacon would be stoked to know that you've reached the levels that you have had and uh, also just brilliant to connect with fellow alumni. It is always good to see Deacon Deacon students doing well out in the world. It it always makes me feel a little bit prouder uh, (laughs) when I I see our people out there, that's for sure. Yeah. It's a family, Deacon, isn't it? That's it. It's becoming one. We're trying to bring it closer together. Yeah, (laughs) bringing them all together. Ruben and... You know, speaks probably daily about his time at Deakin, so he won't stop talking about it. But it is that good, apparently. Mm. Um, is that a dog you've got there? What kind of dog? It you is, have? and of course, he starts as soon as we yeah. start recording. <laughs> uh, I've got a Cavoodle, so oh, yeah. they are the biggest um, guard dogs. You know, like yep. real ferocious. And as soon as anyone pats him, he's your best friend. So <laughs> he's good at letting us know when we've got deliveries. That's for sure. Yeah, they're Perfect. pretty tough when someone comes to the door, but then they kind of just. Turn into a river baby at the end. <laughs> they are the worst. Honestly, he just he thinks he's a big dog, and then the biggest softy though ever. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Um, Amanda, when we chatted uh, the other day, you mentioned to me that even though you've reached this incredible feat of being the first female executive director at a FIBA zone, when you first started eight years ago, you thought you'd only be around for for eighteen months. So I was wondering if we could start with what changed during those years and why do you want this job now? Yeah, it, it's a crazy reflection now. And, and and to be honest, it's probably something that I've reflected on for the last couple of years as my role has grown. Uh, I think the, the main thing that changed, not necessarily anything changed, but I think the opportunities opened up. So, you know, I, I was able to put in a bit of work and, and, and put in the effort and I was then rewarded for that. So the the good thing was that, you know, when I first started, uh, they were hiring a graduate. You know, they wanted someone that they could mould um, into, into the person uh, for the role. And then about 12 months into, into my journey, uh, things changed within FIBA globally uh, with, a, with a change in governance structure, which meant that our office became part of one FIBA. Uh, we, we like to call it one FIBA where, you know, we all came under the same umbrella. Uh, previously before that, FIBA were, was the, the global entity and then us in, in this part of the world were FIBA Oceania, which was a separate separate entity, a separate body, uh, didn't have a huge connection globally. Uh, really, it was just around the World Cups, um, senior and, national, and junior. But from a developmental perspective, it was very separate. So the governance changes uh, took place in twenty late 2014, early 2015, so not long after I had started. Uh, and actually, you know, that, that opened up a huge, huge opportunities for me and, and for the whole of Oceania uh, that we've been able to, to capitalise on. So I think that's been the main thing is, is opportunities. And then, you know, I've been extremely fortunate that I've had a, a boss that invested and, and – the organisation invested in me uh, as a person and, and in my development and, and has given me a lot of opportunity. And probably just on the last, the, the last real key one was the people. So when I first started, you know, FIBA, I knew that FIBA was the global body and the FIBA World Cup and things like that. But working in Oceania is is really about the people and, and working for a global organisation you're pretty fortunate you meet people from cultures, different cultures, different places, personalities, uh, and that that's what I love the most is just 
the people and, and being able to connect and, and be with, with new people. Um, that's, it's not something that you get working anywhere else. You know, there's people always say that the people are what makes your organization. Uh, but this is unique because every year I, I work with a new group of, of volunteers, a new organizing committee in a different country. Uh, and that's really what makes it all, all the better. So yeah, that that's what it's all about. Brilliant. That's great to learn. And what about um, in terms of growing the game of basketball in Oceania? Is that something that you've grown up absolutely loving or is, has that been a, a love that's kind of developed during your time at FIBA? Why is that important to you now? I, I've always been a basketballer. <laughs> I grew up around basketball courts. You know, I've, my older, I've got older brothers and they both played, so I didn't have a lot of choice. Um, being a Victorian, it was, it was footy, AFL or basketball and and I went down the basketball route um played coached you know I was heavily involved um down in in Victoria and it's a a big program down there you know they do a lot of good stuff in 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 Victoria um and basketball was always in my blood uh but I probably never thought I'd work in basketball you know it's one of those things like when you when you grow up with a sport you then not it's a bit of a mix. Do you want to work in it as well? Or do you want to have that passion on the side? So mm. when I first got into basketball, like into FIBA, I guess I knew about the events. I didn't really know the work they were doing at a grassroots level. And it, it tied in bits and pieces, you know, in, in terms of my journey through university, I had a very heavy um, event portion and, and doing events and competitions. But then I also had, I was seeing grassroots sport as well. So I saw the impact sport could have um, on my life, on other people's lives. You know, I'm a, I'm a very much a big believer that sport makes people better and, and playing a sport, a team sport. I love the team camaraderie and, and being part of a group. Um, I would never make it as an individual player, as a te- like a tennis player or a swimmer or something that if, if I'm in my own head, that's no good. hate running for that reason. <laughs> But team sport, throw a ball in front of me, you know, you're there for your mates and, and, and for your, your family, basically. So I I guess once I got into the FIBA world, I started to see the grassroots programs we were doing and Basketball for Good was something I had never heard of before. And, and Basketball for Good was a brand new program that was started. It was The pilot was in 2014 in, in Fiji. So fresh new program when I first started and it was about using sport for development. Um, so it's rather than sports development, sport for development. And really we look at it as a way of making better people, improving lives with sport as the vehicle and, and basketball in our case. And to me that really resonated because I think that's what, you know, it, it brings a lot of my passions together. You know, I love helping people. I'm all about trying to make the livelihood of other people better. So that that really resonated with me. And although it's not my ever been my real responsibility, being part of that organization, delivering that has, has, I guess, been one of the other reasons why I've stayed for so long as well. I love it. I can sense a, a real passion in your voice, <laughs> which is actually, it's just awesome to hear. Um, how does it feel to be rewarded with the executive director role after eight years at FIBA? And to be the first ever female zone executive director as well. Yeah, I don't know if it's a reward. Like you know, I I think it's something that I've obviously been from my, from other people's perspective. Yes, maybe it's a reward for the effort and the, the the work I've done over a number of years. But it wasn't like I went into it thinking this is going to be who yeah. I am. This is going to be my role. You know, yeah. going back to to Rube's question earlier eight years ago, if you had said to me in 2022, you know, we're going to have a global pandemic and then you'll be um, the first female on the executive. I'd laugh at you, you know, that, that it was not, it was not something that I saw as uh, that near on the horizon. Um, as I obviously got more and more into working with FIBA, being part of the global family, um, seeing the impact we can have major events versus grassroots basketball, I really then started to think, okay, I want to be part of this long-term. I didn't expect it to be 
as Oceania exec uh, because I never had really any thought that David, who was in the role before me, uh, would would leave or would go. And, and a bit of context on that, I'm the fourth ever person to hold this role in the, the history of FIBA Oceania, in the history of Oceania basketball. There's only been three other um, people before me. And this is a 53-year wow. organisation. So, so we can expect you, know, you to be executive director for at least 25 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You know, David, I, I did eight years. So why would I think that, you know, when the two previous have done 25 and 20 or however, whatever the, 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 um, the, the sway is, but that that's something that I think is also you know, it's a great thing about FIBA um, is that you're there for a long, you know, you look after the family, you look after people within the FIBA family. And so the opportunity came about because of circumstances and, and David's role changed. Um, but I never would have thought that that was possible. And and kind of for me, you know, David's a friend, he was a mentor, he was my boss, you know, and, and he's over my journey really helped in, in that regard. Uh, and, and probably my intention was, you know, yep, I want to one day be on the executive. In what capacity I was still navigating my way um, and really trying to work that out. But it, I'd be lying if I didn't have ambitions to be part of, of that executive. I've, my whole life I've been a, a bit of a leader, you know, I've wanted to lead things. So when I've got the job with FIBA, it was – really about that opportunity, taking opportunities as they came, taking professional development um, options, you know, not and, and, and making the most of them, not just taking it for granted and thinking that that was expected and I should be getting it. I've never never once taken for granted any of the, the flexibility and the options that FIBA have given me. Uh, so, yeah, in, in that regard, yeah, I guess it's a reward for effort. If I... Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen again. Um, in the, not saying that I'm going to leave in eight years or not going to leave. Like that's who knows what happens in the future, but it's certainly something that um, the legacy of of the Oceania region is strong. Uh, the people before me, you know, Al Ramsey, unfortunately passed away late last year. He was the founding, you know, founding father of the of the region, uh, and being able to meet him was such a huge honour a few years ago because he's a guy that you know, 53 years ago, we weren't having a conversation like this over a video call. He's getting on a boat, traveling for weeks at a time around the region, you know, and it's not the easiest region to get around even now. Bit of a different gig. (laughs) It is, it was, and it was a different time. So, you know, Al and then Steve Smith, you know, was the next and he was the first paid staff member for FIBA. Um, and then David, you know, took over from from Steve um, back in 2013, and really then professionalised the region, um, took it to just a different level, uh, which which was a is something that I'm hoping to continue on, you know. But the the work and the legacy of Al and Steve beforehand, and all the staff that have, have come through the region, you know, that's really something I need to honour, uh, and I, I understand that, and, and I'm looking forward to be able to do that. That that adds a lot of weight and, and gravity to the position that you're in now, which is absolutely outstanding. And um, we're both, you know, very honoured, excited to be chatting with you, Amanda. I think it's uh, super, super cool and incredible what you've been able to done, be able to do. Um, can you give us a quick history in terms of how did you get to this point? Yeah, no, that that, that it. I'll try and be quick, but I also don't want to like knowing who the audience is for you guys as well. Um, and, and talking to, to a grad and, you know, you and I, we've all had a conversation just recently about the, the roles we have on market at the moment and, and having just gone through a recruiting process, seeing how students are coming through at the moment. I think it's really key, you know, when you do reflect on the journey I've had, uh, one of the things I, I've really the only reason I'm here today is because of that work that I did while I was at uni. Uh, and, and, you know, I did the double degree at Deakin of, of exercise science and sports management. And you asked me eight years ago what I thought. If you asked me 10 years ago what I thought, I thought I'd be a physio working. <laughs> my dream was yeah. to be a physio working at the tennis with a with tennis player. You know, that was like the big dreams. Doing the double degree, I started to enjoy the business elements of, of sport and getting a taste of what 
what that involves. Uh, not that I had not had a taste. My brother worked for the YMCA and, and for Richmond. So I've had a good insight into working in sport for a long time. Uh, but when I got into uh, university, fortunately, the, the double degree, whilst it's a lot of varying subjects, you can condense it into a couple of days of attending university. Everyone should go to university and attend classes. But I managed to make sure I still had two or three days where I could work. Uh, so I was doing, I had three or four casual jobs going at once. Uh, and, and that was, I, I go back to that journey because that's really set me up. You know, I, I did school sport, Victoria, running work, um, running clinics, running programs, competitions. I joked with um, with one of the mentors from school sport about how, you know, my days at the cross country carnival have really got me to where I am. The cold, cold Melbourne winters sitting on a deck chair watching the kids run cross country um, <laughs> really helped in my journey. Uh, but things like that, uh, I worked for Melbourne Park also um, while at uni. So all the events, you know, major competitions, the victory games, the tennis, I saw it at a, an elite level from the venue perspective. Uh, and then also I was working for a, a, a local gym like on the front desk, I had an admin um, background as well. And at the same time, I was coaching basketball, playing basketball, playing footy. Wow. You know, I had a lot going on. Yeah, it sounds like your schedule really, is packed. <laughs> that really, though, set me up because now I look back and I was like, I'm not busy now. I had three yeah. jobs going that day, yeah. <laughs> you know, and still studied. So it, it gives you a lot of skills. And, and that's something that I, I guess I'd stress to your audience that – Take every opportunity, take every casual job, take every internship. You know, I, I then did internships through the, the uni as well um, and make sure it's varied. You know, you, unless you are set that you know what you want to do and you know you want to be a marketer or you know you want to be a comms person or whatever it may be, make sure you, you get a taste of everything. No one expects as a 18, 19, 20-year-old you've got, at all sorted, you know, yeah. go on a journey with you with all of that. So anyway, that that's kind of the the, the real background background. <laughs> yeah. uh, I then got the job with FIBA as a sports admin, uh, really really basic um, entry level. They wanted a grad. I was a grad. It was great because you don't see that very often. Uh, but just on that, when, when you got that first job, having done the amount of work experience that you'd done, was that an incredible, incredibly relieving feeling to be able to trade it all in for one role? Uh, probably the opposite. I had a lot of anxiety about giving – seriously, I didn't want to give up my Melbourne Park job and I contemplated – I had to give up because I got to the point with Melbourne Park that I was on the regular rotation. So when you first start, you only get the open and then once you've done a few years, you get into yep. the gigs and, I, you know, I joke – I ushered at Usher, you know, that was my, my <laughs> gag for ages. But I, when I got the job with FIBA, I had to move to Canberra. So moving from Melbourne to Canberra meant I'd lost all of that that I was comfortable with and I had made it into my own. So I actually got to, to, to FIBA and it was a bit of a, oh, what am I doing? Because suddenly mm. I'm just one job, uh, you know, it's all my focus. So I think I had just got to the point that I was on autopilot with all those other things that I suddenly, that was my comfort, even though it was so uncomfortable. So when I got to FIBA, it did take a little bit of adjusting uh, to get into just, here's my, my job. You know, for, again, fortunate enough that uh, I think my second week, we're, we were an office of three people at that stage. This My second week, David and, and Annie, the development manager, flew to a World Congress which meant I was in the office by myself. So <laughs> thankfully I knew Canberra, like I'd grown up going to Canberra a bit. Uh, so I was comfortable being in Canberra. But that, wow. that one way to learn how to do a job is to be thrown in by yourself and, and need to do um, activity. I wasn't completely by myself. There was a, another girl who stayed and, and she was temping um, in the role I was doing. So she did a, a, a good handover with me. But yeah, that was a welcome to FIBA. A lot of the time, 
you'll be by yourself or on the road or doing things remotely. So it was a good intro. Um, it did take a bit to get used to it. And, and the journey then continued on uh, throughout my time with FIBA. And I've kind of progressed through through the, through the elements and, and through the different roles, took on more events rather than ad, still had admin, but more event work. Uh, and it's funny, it's, it's one of those, you know, talking about anxiety of losing all those temp jobs, even with my job with FIBA, it, you, you become very like, this is my role and this is what I do. And so as I got more responsibility, sometimes those other tasks would go to someone else. Mm, and it's, yeah. it's that adapting to no longer being in charge of something really ridiculous. I can't even remember now, but I joked with my, with David about that, you know, that I had to learn how to work with other people and how to yeah. make sure that we as a team functioned. Um, and that was really important in my development. I, I talk about opportunity a lot. Uh, I think jobs that provide you with opportunities mean that you want to stay. So, you know, the, the man, I, I always, I can never remember the actual quote, but it, you know, it's that train people up so that they can leave, but that they choose to stay. Mm, and that yeah. really resonates because that's how I th- view my journey. Uh, I was provided a lot of things that, you know, I'm really, really fortunate. I did some study in Europe um, in my second or third year um, working and met a lot of great people in London through that school. And that was through FIBA. I did a secondment to the Com Games when it was here on the coast. So that gave me a a fresh perspective, um, got me out of FIBA for a a three month period um, and, and working with new people So there's been those certain, you know, forks in a road type of moments that have definitely helped keep me with family. Uh, And, and, you know, I owe a lot to to David as as the mentor and and the business as a whole who enabled that for me to get to now where I am. Unreal. It's quite the journey, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. I, mm. I, I, I said I, w- I wouldn't be short with that answer. <laughs> no, no. I wanted to build it up because I think it, it's key that people remember that all those little things yeah. count for something eventually. Absolutely. Yeah. And that mm. wasn't me saying it took forever. I was just saying it's quite, oh. a, <laughs> quite a journey. And your <laughs> impressive journey. Your schedule when you're in Melbourne, wow, there's a lot going on there. So, <laughs> no, it's awesome. When you're a uni student, all you worry about is the money the dollars like oh. I would stand at the tennis yeah. counting how many hours I was on the gate thinking about it because I yeah. was like okay do I want a long shift tonight or yeah. do I want do I want this to be a three setter or a five setter yeah you know, like, yeah <laughs> sometimes praying for it to be a five setter just yeah. so you can get a few bucks um <laughs> let's come back to present day so how does your day change now that you've got this new role sort of what what are you spending less time on and what are you spending more of your time on yeah, it's it's interesting and, and my day today has been a bit of that mind-blowing moment because of, we've been hiring obviously for the sports admin. So it's, you know, interviewing graduates at the moment, talking about the entry-level role and the day-to-day activities of that. And then I presented for Basketball New Zealand at their board meeting. So you go from one extreme <laughs> to the other when you think about world sport. It's quite a um, spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> Hiring yeah, entry-level roles to international boards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then tonight I've got a management meeting with the global exec. So, again, it's another extreme. So um, I guess the, the main difference, to be honest, the last two years I've been, I guess, transitioning into this role. Uh, in 2019 or 2020, I think it was officially, David took on the role as the executive director of the Men's World Cup. Uh, and at that stage, it was a joint role. So he was doing that and executive director of Oceania, which meant that he would need someone to step up and take more responsibility within our office. Uh, so my role slowly changed over the last two years. Pandemic obviously made things very different uh, because before that, I really would have been organising our events, talking with local organising committees, uh, you know, trying to check player eligibility, uh, you know, make sure teams are getting on flights and activity is going to happen once we get there. And, you know, it was a lot yeah. of logistics. Um, then with this role, it was more stakeholder engagement. 
So it's more being making sure I've contacted certain people, you know, on, on a regular basis, reporting to the board, assessing our strategic plan and making sure we're meeting strategic plan. Um, so it's, it's less about ops and more about strategy. And that's, I guess, strategy and stakeholders, you know, that that's now the key. Uh, checking in with staff, you know, that's that's something that's taken um, a while to learn and, and to, to understand because you, you're now responsible not only for your own performance but the performance of your team. So, you know, checking in, do they need anything from me? Do they need me to push down the line with someone else? You know, it's it's a lot of those conversations. Um, at the moment, it, because we don't have the sports admin role, um, it, it's a little bit back on the the, the the admin. I think I did a Facebook post yesterday, so that was exciting, <laughs> logging in and, and doing that. I was just going to ask, what um what task are you looking forward to most, most looking yeah. forward to <laughs> handing over? Uh, we laugh because... Annie and I at the moment, we're, we're probably both doing bits and pieces of the, the sports admin. And I think we both, things like the foreign player licenses and the finance, that it's really, it, they're not difficult, you know, it, it, it's repetitive actions and it's a good learning for, for working out FIBA, uh, but it's not necessarily something that you want to spend your whole day doing. Uh, it's funny, the social media comm stuff, when I first started with FIBA, it was 10% of my role. And we joked because we didn't have a comms person and I'd go to these communications global meetings and I'd be like, look, my 10% of my role, I've done a social media post. I wrote one article, you know, that was great. And then FIBA evolved, like our office evolved and we brought in a comms person full time. So I actually quite enjoyed going back to that, you know, the, the early days of having to write some articles and things. <laughs> In saying that, I'm very happy to get the comms person back on so that we can yeah. no longer have to worry about that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure our, our good friend Andrew Ryan, director of FIBA Media, would be happy to hear that our resources being poured into communications. <laughs> he is, yeah. And, and Andrew and I, we've got a good relationship. And, and I, after he'd been on your podcast, I was like, oh, I was very interested in, in hearing about what you do (laughs) and understanding what's going on over there. Um, But it is something that, you know, where it's probably that day-to-day task that, you know, I think it's time for someone a bit younger and a bit more tech savvy to to come on board and uh, show me some things. It'll be good to see whoever the new person is, what they, what they bring to the role and make their own. Well, speaking of learning and development, were there any particular opportunities or courses that, stand out in your mind when you look back as ones that were pivotal pivotal to your development? Yeah, I, I probably mentioned it a bit earlier just in terms of those moments where the, the fork in the road, you know, I had reached a point in my career and my development where if things stayed the same, maybe I would be getting a little bit bored and a little bit stagnant uh, and, and that's where credit Again, back to David. I don't want to talk like talk too much about him and, and he'll, David, he'll get, you know, a big head. David sounds like the, the king of fever. <laughs> oh, no. Don't don't let him hear you say that. But, <laughs> but I think that's a credit to him as a boss. Like he knew when to provide opportunity for someone. And I hope that's what I can now do for future staff. Uh, and, and that was, you know, there's probably a couple of moments. The the course in London was a was amazing because they FIBA globally. It was not long after we went through the, the transition of, of one FIBA. So it meant that little old me from the Australian Oceania office went and spent a month working out of HQ. And I spent a week with different departments. So it was almost like a job rotation um, oh, yeah. for me within in, within HQ. And I think HQ I'm a in massive relationship. Yeah, in Switzerland. Sorry. Yeah our headquarters um, is based in Switzerland. So that was a moment where I, I'm a big relationships person and a big, a big believer in building relationships with people. And yes, technology makes it easier to do that now, but nothing beats some face-to-face time with people to get to know them and, and understand how they operate and how they work. And so that was a really pivotal time for me because I, I understood a lot of the people who had been with FIBA for a long time, uh, some of the fresh new faces coming through who were, you know, my age. 
and I built some really strong connections and relationships during that time. So the course was great. It was, you know, the theoretical knowledge that helped and that was a, a, a post-grad sports management um, opportunity. But then the relationship building during that visit with, with the headquarters was pretty pivotal. And then I would say the Com Games secondment was a huge, um, was a big step in my career as well because probably 12 months earlier or a little 18 months, whatever it would have been, I had an opportunity to do something um, with the Olympic Committee, um, Australian Olympic Committee, and I ended up turning it down because it just wouldn't wouldn't quite fit with FIBA and FIBA's schedule. But I've always had that inkling about wanting to work in a multi-sport event, and the Olympics is obviously the you know that pinnacle. Uh, and when the Com Games came about on the Gold Coast, our office had done a lot with the, the sports manager, um, Narelle Kelly, and, and she was, you know, fantastic managing the basketball elements. And then the chance came for me to go and spend three months in her team as, the, as, as a, I guess, the technical person um, for the sport. And that was just another opportunity to work for, I was still in basketball, but a new opportunity to work in a big a big organization because com games, they, you know, there's hundreds, thousands of yeah. staff. And suddenly I went from organizing an event by myself with volunteers to being a tiny minute part of a massive event. And that was big for me to understand the ecosystem of world sport. Um, and the com games isn't, you know, in, in the FIBA context, basketball has only been in the com games twice when, when Australia is hosted. So it's not a not a huge one in terms of FIBA's schedule, uh, but them allowing me to go and do that three-month um, secondment was big, again, for me to understand world sport and, and just to be with new people and, and that opportunity. So, you know, there's been other opportunities, plenty of internal um, trainings as well. We're, we're big on uh, leading projects, so having the chance to do something from start to finish, you know, I could go on for ages. Like there's been a lot of things, but they're probably the two moments that, that stood out in terms of things that FIBA made happen for me that helped me in my, my career, that's for sure. I know we've spoken about David. Uh, I won't say, well, I will say the king of FIBA. But did you have <laughs> any mentors along the journey? Uh, it might be David, might not. But what's one piece of advice from them that you wish you knew when you first started? Oh, I, I, yeah. I don't want to say David again. But you he, can. He obviously has you been, can. It's totally he's, fine. He's a, a big part of my journey. Um, in terms of, you know, in like key bits and pieces, one of the things he he always drove into me was just about it's not always about being right but it's about making sure that you get the outcomes that are needed. Um, and I, when I probably came into the workforce, it was all about, I, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself about if I did something wrong. And he really emphasized that point. It's not about right or wrong. You know, there, there'll be times where what you think is right isn't necessarily the outcome that we go for, but that doesn't mean it's wrong either. So it's understanding that, you know, you, you work for a company, you work for a business uh, and you're all working towards that one common goal and how you get to the journey and, and working with national federations, how you get there. There's no right or wrong path to that point, uh, but getting to the end point is pretty key. The other one, and it, it's not necessarily mentors, but different people who I've lent on throughout the journey um, and opportun- again, opportunities uh, and, and it's, people from within FIBA, you know, some colleagues from Europe or from colleagues from Asia or colleagues from around the world and just their bits and pieces about events and about how they work in different parts of the world. I think those little moments were, were key um, and, and it comes back to those experiences. You you only learn from experiences. Um, so, yeah, the, the mentors, I guess, you know, David's one, the, the actual, the, the girl who was doing the temporal when I first started, uh, Courtney, she has now become a mentor slash colleague, you know, throughout the journey. Uh, she, she's 
done a lot of work in events um, and she's over in New Zealand working on the Rugby World Cup now, I think. Um, so she's someone that also I'll tend to message and see like, how have you done this? You know, have you had to do this? Like, what have you done? So it's just building those relationships, I guess, and not being afraid, not being fr- afraid to ask questions is probably another one that I've learned along the way that sometimes you you know, you might get managers and, and people that don't like when people ask too many questions. But to me, that shows that you're, you want to learn and you, you want to understand. Um, the, the young girl who was in a sports admin role who, that's now vacant, she's taken up an opportunity with our headquarters in Switzerland uh, because of what she's done over the last two years working in our office and she's massive on asking questions and and trying to understand the why, you know, why do we do what we do, not just doing it for the sake of ticking it off the list. Mm. You know, have have a bit of like a bit of trying to understand the, the, the behind the scenes of what's going on. You know, that again is probably something I've learned and not necessarily from a mentor, but you know, I, I sat in on a, a professional basketball in New Zealand was doing a high performance workshop. And the presenter there worked for the New Zealand Olympic Committee and um, and she presented one of those, you know, what is your why sessions. Mm, yeah. uh, and, and that has stayed with me ever since. And that wasn't even, that was by chance that I just walked past while New Zealand were hosting an event and I was able to go in and, and sit in the room while this high performance workshop was going on. So you don't discredit a lot of those discussions mm. and offhand things that happen during your journey. It's probably... um the question around understanding the why is a good one for people out there who's probably, you know, you might be making first steps in a new job, right? And actually understanding what's underneath the actual things you have to do is probably the best questions you can be asking your manager. Like you've got to do this because it's in the strategy. It was like, but why, why have we got that in the strategy? You know, actually understanding that'll, that'll help you understand the ecosystem like you mentioned before so there's a question for the young <laughs> players at home and it is and and, it, and it's a difficult one because you also don't want to look like you're questioning your yeah. superiors of well, why why am i doing this it's not about that and that's the difficulty that as a young employee coming into the, the industry i i completely get why someone might come in and be afraid to ask questions but actually if you ask questions and then it if you repeatedly ask the same question, there's an issue. Yeah. If you ask the question and then it, it helps you develop and, and, and get somewhere, that is, is a really powerful sign to me about someone who's going to be worth investing in and, and worth pushing forward in our business. Um, and, and if a business doesn't know why they do things, that's something that maybe as a young employee coming through, you can help shape that, you know, yeah. be, the, be the cultural change that maybe a, a company needs. Definitely. It sounds like through all the development and different opportunities that you were given, a lot of it was related to helping you like make things happen. Like the, the nature of your role is just making a lot of things happen at a very high level with a lot of people from a lot of different places. And along the way, you've been able to pick up different things that have helped you figure out, all right, what's the right thing to make happen? What sort of outcome do we want from making that happen? How do I do that myself? How do I get other people to help make that happen as well? And I guess like underneath all that, I kind of like these fundamental skills of, right, I need to be able to communicate effectively so that I can bring in people from other countries to do what I do. I need to be able to learn project management so I can keep this tournament on task and and to budget. Um, And it sounds like you've been able to, I'm not sure if you've done these things in isolation through any of your time, but it th- sounds like at a fundamental level, these are some of the things you've, you've been able to pick up from other people on your journey. Yeah, and, and project management is, a, is an interesting one because event management is obviously, it, it, it's just another form of project management. And I had been in the role for a few years and every year we, we look at, okay, what PD opportunities do you have in the next 12 months? What would be suitable and so I did a project management course. Uh, and at the time, you know, it, it, you're sitting in a room with um, people working in the oil fields or for, um, for a trucking company or for the mines. Like it was not a sports 
audience at all. But then actually, okay, I can learn from these people. They're running multi-million dollar industries and this person needs to learn the skills to make sure all these bits and pieces are in place. So again, going back to opportunities, you need to make the most of the opportunities and, and absorb them. I don't mean absorb a textbook, you know, definition, but absorb what is relevant to what you do and how you do it. Reality is you're going to make mistakes. Like you, you, you're going to learn more from the mistakes you make uh, through the journey than anything else. And for me, that was probably one of the key lessons was that it's okay. No one expected in 2014, we went to, uh, to Fiji for my first ever FIBA event. I was fresh. I, you know, I'd been in the role for eight months or whatever it was. And suddenly I'm trying to run a competition, but I was given the opportunity, given the, um, given the, the faith of, of our business that I could manage it. There was stuff that didn't go right. Um, you know, there were things that we could do better. And two years later we went back to Fiji and the event was awesome. Like there were still things that didn't happen and didn't, didn't work but the lessons and learnings I'd had from two years earlier and the LOC, the local organizing committee had, it was such, it was like a different event almost, but we're in the same venue. We're in the same circumstances with the same, a lot of the same volunteers and same people, but you learn and you adapt. And, and 2015 was the same. I remember in 2015, I came off um, a, a youth event and then into a senior under the old system, Australia would play New Zealand every two years to qualify for Worlds or for um, for the Olympics. And so this must have been twenty the Olympic the Olympic qualifier in New Zealand. And we'd just come off the youth event. I was exhausted, and this was when I had the ten percent comms role, and my ten percent just built up to that point that I was exhausted and I didn't do it correctly, and I was getting pressure from um, headquarters and it was just that moment of sometimes having a cry or having, you know, releasing the emotions. I was then able to regather myself and fix whatever had happened. But the reality was no one expected me to be perfect. And I think that was one of the big things and, and lessons from FIBA was just learning and, and not making the same mistake, you know, learn from it, fix it. And then now you know what to do better. And that's a massive thing that I've done uh, with Rach over the last two years. Rach is the one that's gone now to Switzerland. Uh, but for her, I was always like, I don't expect you to be perfect. I just I just expect that you put the work in. Um, and that's something that I think was resonating with me through my journey as well. Um, but, yeah, there, there's certainly uh, PD opportunities that tie in, so the, the project management, but there's also on-the-job learning. Um, and, and if it... If it's a mistake, you learn from it and you move on or it's a way of the self-reflection. You know, I'm, I'm, I've got an okay level of EQ, you know, in, in terms of my emotional intelligence and understanding what's going on um, in my own behaviour, but also having someone that you trust enough to tell you uh, and to take the feedback on is, is key as well. So, yeah, a few different elements, I guess, of to yeah. help in the journey, that's for sure. I'd say you're probably playing that last point down as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm trying to sound like modest. It's also about understanding your emotions and how that then impacts on other people. Mm. Like I, we forget how much is reflected through body language and through a smile and, um, you know, our world, we're working with volunteers you know, we're not working with paid people. So if I come in and I'm having a bad day and my attitude is bad, it's going to impact on the whole event. And so I can't afford to be low. You know, you need to have, you can't be an energy sapper, we say. Yeah. Mm. You know, you need to be an energy giver. Um, and that's especially true in events. You know, anyone out there looking to get into an events work, it's hard work. Like mm. it, it, it's it's really tiring. Uh, but the thrill of it happening is amazing. And that's what yeah. you, you work for. So you just get to that point, the ball gets thrown up and we're underway. You know, that that's what I gets me excited about my role and my journey. Um, and, and that's, I think, one of the key pieces of uh, things I've learned is about how to be an energy giver. I'm still learning. Oh, 
I'm always still learning. That's for sure. Mm. There's times where I just don't want to, but I know <laughs> I have to. So that's the the daily struggle that you now have um, for sure. Um, speaking of energy giving, uh, there is a huge FIBA Basketball World Cup coming up in Australia, which is massively exciting for us. Uh, can you speak through what your role is in, in organising the tournament? Yeah, it's really exciting. And we now know the 12 teams coming to Australia after the, the qualifiers just finished um, last week. So it's it's real, it's it's getting real now. Uh, we have yeah. the draw on the the 3rd of, of March. So we're going to know exactly who's playing who in, in each pool. Uh, my role, funny question, because I probably wasn't expecting to have the ED, the executive director uh, title mm. or the... <laughs> before the world cup. So my, my, I guess in some elements I'll be on a more political governance level, um, yeah. working with, with our stakeholders, um, on the event, but I also think I'll still have a, an office role, maybe managing one of the venues, um, working with our competitions department, because that's traditionally been where I've been, um, is in our sport and competitions department. Uh, the world cup in China, I managed one of the venue. We had eight cities, uh, so myself and colleague from Phoebe Europe, we managed one of the, the cities. Uh, so I've had experience being a venue manager and that was last year I went to Latvia and worked in Latvia on the, the Youth World Cup and again wow. managed the, the venue there. So originally the plan was I would manage one of the facilities and I, I think I still will do that and, and that's my intention is to still work with that. And that, that when we say that, it's working with the LOC counterpart the local organising committee, and and working with them on how to make sure the event runs, liaising with teams, making sure the buses are coming, and all our staff are fed, and volunteers are in place, general event, yeah. you know, things. Uh, we meet monthly with the with the organising committee in Australia. Uh, a lot of my role is, I guess, being that go between, because you've got everyone in Europe working on their projects and activities and then the local organisers in Australia who are a separate uh, company, like separate from Basketball Australia. They're a, they're a separate entity running the, the competition. So their role um, is to put all of the event on. And I guess mine, I've, I've kind of been a bit of a liaison in some circumstances, venue inspections, um, things like that. So I still... It, it's really exciting. I am very much looking forward to, to seeing the event and seeing the world's best female basketballers on our shores because I think uh, watching some of the games lately, uh, I've been very fortunate to see the Japanese and the Chinese team in person a number of times over the last couple of years and their basketball is elite. Like, you know, it's not – Men's and women's basketball is very different in speed and, and, and what you're looking for. The Japanese, you know, the, the style of play, it, it's just, it brings a smile. Like, it's pretty yeah. cool. And and then to see someone like Diana Tarasi, you know, one of the greatest to ever play um, with the Team USA. And I believe she's planning on still playing. Um, and that would be, you know, fantastic to see her in Australia and live. And, of course, the Opals, you know, um, the Opals have been a world leader in women's basketball for so many years. So to see them um, and inspire the next generation in this region, uh, because, you know, there's plenty of people within the Oceania region who look up to uh, that Australian Opals team. So it's really exciting. I encourage everyone to get to Sydney and um, I think tickets will go on sale in late March. So everyone should definitely keep an eye out on that if, if you're not already following all of the socials, follow all the socials. Which Amanda is uh, lovingly posting yeah. at the moment. You're leading them, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> not, not those ones. But I can share those ones too. Yep. <laughs> we get uh, someone with a lot more skill and know-how yeah. in oh. developing those. I was thinking, great, Amanda's running the socials this year. Beauty. So, <laughs> um, that sounds outstanding. It must be super exciting for you to like – get your hands back into the weeds of what you love doing, putting on international events. Cause um, whilst being executive director is an awesome role and exciting, you you kind of sit above everything. So I'd imagine you'd uh, have a nice time getting your hands dirty again in this tournament. Yeah. And I think the, the beauty of Oceania um, and, and this is something that, you know, maybe my, my regional colleagues don't, 
from the rest of the world don't necessarily get, but because we, we're, we're a small team, you know, there'll be five of us uh, based on the Gold Coast and we service 22 national federations. So it, there's no chance to just sit back and not get your hands dirty. You know, projects are always happening um, and, and that's what I love. You know, you don't want to – I'm a people person. I like to, to, to interact and, and meet people and stakeholders and, and bring people along for the journey. But at the same time, you know, being able to run an event or uh, we've just we're in the middle of a, a women in leadership program called We Lead. Uh, and that's something that I'm hugely passionate about is how do we bring up the next group of female leaders in the region? So I'm excited to see, you know, how that progresses. Uh, and, and that's something that Annie is leading from our office at the moment. And we'll see that come to fruition over the next few months. Uh, so there's definitely projects like that that I'll still have bits and pieces in. Um, the events, obviously, this year, along with the Women's World Cup, we we have in our calendar four other events for this year, which is huge for Oceania. You know, that it doesn't happen, along with the Men's World Cup qualifiers that are ongoing. So there's always activity, uh, lots of different countries to be working with, getting events to happen. Uh, so the sports admin role is going to be super busy, thrown straight yeah. into the deep end. Uh, but at the same time, like I'll, I'll definitely play a helping hand in a lot of that because that's been my, I guess, bread and butter for the last eight years. Uh, and we want this person, the new person to succeed in the role. We're definitely not going to let them, you know, flail around and, um, and not succeed. You know, we, we want, mm. we want all of this to happen, um, it's been a long two years of COVID, you know, it, it, and, <laughs> yeah. and particularly in this, in this region, like a lot of the Pacific, you know, they're still battling um, lockdowns and restrictions. Uh, I haven't been to New Zealand in, in years because of the, the travel restrictions and they're normally, you know, our closest neighbor that we would go in and act with. So it's something that I think, there's a lot of excitement about what this year brings for events and to be able to bring the FIBA family back together is what I'm, you know, excited by. Uh, haven't even seen my, like my president Burton flew into Sydney during one of those brief New Zealand border openings. Uh, Burton Shipley, who's, he he's, lives in New Zealand. So that was a, you know, I spent an hour with him. So I've seen my, my president for one hour in the last two years <laughs> So it's it's tough work and, and yeah. you know, sport's not alone. Everyone's gone through it, but it's something that I think the next 12 months, Women's World Cup, we've got Pacific Games next year, which is like a mini Olympics, Men's World Cup. Like there is a lot going on uh, and that's what makes me excited. That's for sure. Fantastic. Uh, Amanda, you spoke about inspiring the next generation with the elite basketballers coming to Australia. You are doing exactly the same being the first female executive director um, for FIBA, one of the zones. Um, I want to throw you into a hypothetical situation. If you could go back in time to Deakin University and just drop a note on the desk or inside a textbook that your younger self might come across at some point in time, what would you write on that note? I did spend a lot of time in that (laughs) Alga Road campus uh, across all those different uh, buildings and then in the library it was um a lot of a lot of time and because I didn't live near Deakin I had to make the most of being at Deakin so that library every level and I'm sure it's different now but Great I, I think I've got my spot mm. I know where I'm putting my my book and my, my yep. note <laughs> in terms of what I'm putting on the note oh look I, I would probably say and, and as reflective of the whole conversation is just about making the most of opportunities you know don't not everything is going to be for you, but you will learn more from the ones that you know you never want to do again. You know, as bad as it might sound or, you know, you'll go and do something and you may not have the best experience, but learn from that experience, learn from that opportunity because it will help shape where you want to go. It's really hard in sport to get in where you want to be and fresh off these interviews, one of the big things about when you're interviewing or when you're going for a company is know about that company. You know, it doesn't matter that you maybe you've probably spent hours applying and you could have the best well-written resume, but for sure they're going to ask you, what do you know about us? 
And if you can't answer the question or the only thing you know is what's in the job description, it's a it's hard to look overlook that, you know, because companies want to invest in you, but you have to invest in a company. So make the most of oppor- of opportunities and then research and know who who it is that you're going to apply for. Uh, because the opportunities come, but only if you then get your foot in the door. So it's a, a bit of a two-pronged advice I would give. Mm, that's brilliant. Yeah, you're right. You absolutely do learn just as much from the opportunities that you never want to do again as the much mm. as much as the ones that you absolutely. And love. I can guarantee you, I'm not looking. I'm, when I have kids, my partner is going to do the cross-country carnivals. <laughs> I've my time in the cold. Well. You're on the Gold Coast now. That'll be nice and warm up there. I would have thought. <laughs> oh, no complaints about the not, weather. Not with the rain and things that we get. So mm, yeah. I'll be. Um, I'll do the indoor sports. He can do the outdoor sports. I'm sure a deal can be struck <laughs> there. You, you've done the hard yards, Amanda. So you've earned it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we might wrap it there, but. Honestly, Amanda, all we can say is thank you for, for coming in and, and having a chat to us, um, just hearing all of your experience um, you know, across the board and your journey to get where you are today um, is, is really inspiring for, for people coming through and it's so awesome to have you as part of the SportsGrade community as well. Um, I've seen you nice and active in there. You are in job fair the other day. So it's just what's coming through to us is just your passion for what you do and how you're able to sort of teach the next generation coming through has, has been really awesome to see in the, in the conversations that we've had. So thank you so much and um, good luck for, for warming the seat for the next 10 years I think you've got <laughs> in the hot seat. So uh, good luck. Oh, yeah, I know. Let's, let's maybe once we get to the, like the 75 year, the 75 year anniversary, I hope that there's, you know, maybe a few more that will join <laughs> us at the table. Uh, but in, in all seriousness, um, the, I think what you guys are doing is great as well. So uh, if, if there are people out there that, you know, want advice or find me on LinkedIn um, and send me a message because I'm always happy to share uh, and, and to, to provide feedback or advice. Um, what, what's been really impressive is the number of applicants we received and, and the, the quality. It's making it really hard to, to nail it down, uh, but that's what you'd rather. So credit to you guys for doing um making the most of these opportunities and and good luck to everyone out there that's for sure awesome thanks amanda thank you all righty robes well what an episode we love amanda mm. uh, so much knowledge and just so much stuff that people can take away from that to apply to their own careers whether you're starting out right now or you've been in the game for a while, there's so much you can learn from Amanda. So what did you love? Mm, and just so easy to get along with, like incredible operator, but just genuinely nice human being too, yep. which is always important. Totally. Um, first thing I'm taking away from listening to Amanda is how important it is to find an organization willing to invest in you. Mm. She's very good at taking the opportunities, but she had to have an organization that was willing to support her. And I think that sort of... Uh, lens on your career can be critical when it comes to being in an interview and the type of questions you want to ask of them or even filtering your job search or Mm. the people you talk to as well Um, and even just you know challenging your organization as well to do more because you can see clearly when organizations are prepared to invest in people you end up with people like Amanda (laughs) yeah absolutely I um I loved what she said around finding opportunities in the sports industry even if it's not your end goal or your, or your dream job. Let's be honest, you can't start your career and your dream job. Very, very hard to do. Um, so her point around is finding things out there that you can go and have a go at and you can put a line through it if you don't like it, but you're, you're growing from that experience. So it's a bit of a tip out there for people. You know, if you, if you want to work in cricket or you want to work in tennis, find whatever role you can in there that you're somewhat interested in because it, that's how you're going to learn and that's how you're going to progress. So don't be afraid to have a go. Mm, well, I, I had a very similar experience to Amanda because I did the double degree. I thought I was going to end up in the science side of sport when I mm. first started. And I did an internship in strength and conditioning. 
And at the start, I kind of liked it. But then as it went on and on and on, and I was like, you know what? I'm not actually really enjoying this internship too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, I still find all that stuff incredibly uh, important and, and try and keep up with it all. But I just found that I was more swayed towards the sport management side of things. I found that more fascinating. And that was doing, that ended up with me doing a complete backflip mm. from how I felt at the start of that degree. So that was uh, a good way to just yeah. test things and know I don't want to do this. Yeah. Um, awesome. Finally, what I'm taking away from Amanda as well is be the energy giver. I love <laughs> when it. you're at events, even when you're anywhere, <laughs> yeah. don't be the energy sapper. You've got to be the energy giver. Particularly, as Amanda said, if you're working with volunteers who are motivated by their own intrinsic reasons to be there at the event, you've got to give them a reason to stick around and come back again. And that can be applied in so many other situations, but you've got to be the one who's carrying the energy. As Amanda says, she can't afford to not be on every single day. So The barometer. The barometer. Be the barometer, be the vibe check, be the energy giver. That is our last lesson from Amanda Jenkins. Awesome. I love that episode. It's absolute cracker. So we hope you did as well. Uh, find us on LinkedIn. Plus, be sure to jump into the SportsGrad community. We'd love to chat with you on there. Head to the SportsGrad website to join or head to our link in our show notes as well. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. Hold up. 